Y'all, I switched to PickTime this fall, and I've been blown away by their stunning photo gallery delivery system. I can deliver photos to my clients, submit to publications, share exclusive images with vendors, and make passive income through offering high-quality print products to my clients. Their automated sales system is so effective that within months, I had made more working with PickTime than in a whole year with my old delivery system. One feature that I really love is the automated sales emails. They've expertly tested email automations, early bird sales, holiday sales, and much more so you can literally flip a switch and have peace that your clients will be taken care of and your shop will be profitable. Listeners can get one bonus month free using the code Dangerous Creatives when you sign up for a PickTime account. Hello, and welcome to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. If you're growing your photography or creative business, you're in the right place. Each week, we deliver a workshop-style solo show, expert interview, or motivating story from our community, so you can tune in to find encouragement, motivation, and ideas to help the right people find you and your amazing work. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting. I'm a photographer and coach, and my favorite thing is helping dangerous creatives just like you stand out in a world that just wants us to blend in. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. I am very, very glad to have Lucy Dumas on the podcast today. She is a photographer, a photography coach, and the host of the Profitable Photographer Podcast, which you definitely need to check out if you haven't listened to it yet. And I'm excited because today we're talking about in-person sales, or IPS, as the kids like to call it. And it is something that I haven't done a lot of. So I'm going to be learning right along with everyone listening today, too, as Lucy kind of shares her experience with in-person sales and how that has really revolutionized her photography business. So I'm so glad to have you here, Lucy. Thank you. I'm excited to uh, be on your show. She was on my show and people loved it. So I woke up this morning. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get to talk to Kristen again. Yay, fun. Well, can you give us a little bit more of a background to you? How long have you been doing photography? Where are you based? Give us a little backstory. Sure. So I'm in San Diego and sorry for everybody that doesn't live here. (laughs) (laughs) And I have been in this business since 1982, full time, no rich husband, no family inheritance, just grinding away, (laughs) making it work, making a nice living, having a nice home, traveling a lot, all the good stuff. And I started my business um, doing weddings. And then I, after about 10 years, I started building a children's portrait business because that was my other love. I am a master craftsman photographer. (laughs) It's a mouthful. Master craftsman photographer with the Professional Photographers of America. And just like since this podcast is for creatives, I've always been an artist in search of a medium. I've painted, I've sculpted, I've done glass, always had a crayon in my hand. And the first good camera that I had in my hands, it was just like the sky opened up and ah, the world said, this is it. I I love the immediacy. And so I was working in the San Diego airport. I had a little business 
they're uh, selling insurance and exchanging currency. We had a big recession. My contract was canceled. And then all the signs, like the magic eight ball that says all signs point to yes. When I kept asking about photography as a business, I kept getting that internal hit. Now, everybody said, and I'm sure people have heard this, you're crazy. It's too competitive. No one will pay, blah, blah, blah. And I just knew inside of me, there was this burning desire and this absolute commitment to make it work. I didn't want to do anything else. And so 41 years later, here I am. The last eight years or so, I've been doing business coaching more than photography. And then three and a half years ago, I'm almost at 200 episodes. I heard the call to do a podcast and I love interviewing people that I've known over the decades, as well as newer people that I hadn't met yet so that we can capture a lot of the wisdom and have it there for now and the future. So that's my story. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I'm so excited to jump into talking about IPS today and, um, I guess well, a lot of people listening and a lot of what I hear about IPS is people are scared to do it mm-hmm. or they're intimidated by the sales process or it feels overwhelming. Um, but maybe could you paint a picture of like, what has IPS allowed your business to do? Why is it worth kind of listening to, to this? You know, why is it worth considering doing IPS? First of all, I think it's the best way that we can serve our clients. And it's the best way that we can make a living. And um, let's see, what was the first part of that question? <laughs> Maybe if they're like scared about, um, like kind oh. of overwhelmed by the process. Yes. Kind of so I do think that uh, the reason since digital came into the world, why a lot of people are starting out with, I'm going to call it shoot and share rather than shoot and burn, I think it sounds nicer, is because of that fear of selling, that fear of sounding pushy, not knowing how to even do a a nice sale, having a system, all of that in place. And when I'm coaching people, the first thing we do is really dig into the concept of being the trusted advisor. That is the core. And if you think of any sales experience you've had that you enjoyed and went back and referred the actual salesperson, they have done several things right. And I've watched this, like recently I've bought a really nice luxury bed and the person that I chose and the company I chose had their branding really clear. Their their products were the same as everyone else's, uh, slight differences, The decor was beautiful and elegant and luxurious. And starting off, the person that I dealt with made me feel like she cared about me. She listened to me. We formed a relationship. She listened to my stories. She asked me questions and she knew her products. So once she knew some of my, like, I need a firm bed and Uh, You know, we won't go into the details of why I needed a good night's sleep and a better bed, but she was there to serve me. Yeah. I never felt like she was trying to sell me and I felt like she knew her products. And so then I had confidence. So then when she advised me of the options she suggested, I trusted her advice. That's a lot less scary 
then ah, I just want to push this on somebody. So the other thing that I find and uh, when I'm coaching, then the next thing we do is we do a step-by-step breakdown of how you get from a good inquiry, because that's important. It needs to be fairly qualified to a sale that is in thousands. And these principles apply to any creative wanting to sell what they make. (laughs) I don't know if I mentioned this when we were talking, but when I was maybe seven or eight, I walked around the block. My parents did not allow me to cross the street and I minded that, but I could stay on the sidewalk and walk around the block. And I picked flowers. I didn't know that the neighbors had planted them. I just thought God (laughs) put them there. And then I went home and I tied little ribbons and I made bouquets and I walked back around and sold these little creative flower bouquets to the neighbors. And I did it in person. So I didn't leave a note on their door that said, call me if you want flower bouquets and then drop it off without seeing, send me a quarter. (laughs) Yeah. I brought myself and my talents to their door. Of course I sold some and I realized later some of them knew these were their own flowers and they just laughed (laughs) and gave me a dime or a quarter anyway. Both of those stories are such good metaphors because I see that too of creatives just being afraid to be the pushy salesperson. But if you think about it from the service side, if someone's walking into the mattress store or someone's walking into your business, they want to be served. And and part of that is selling to them and doing it in a way that's serving them instead of being like, I'm going to go stand in the corner and hope that you come up to me and ask me to buy something, you know? So it's like, We're so afraid of that sleazy car salesman or that cold DM, but I'm like, it's so different if someone's walking into your business, into your Instagram, into your um, getting an inquiry, like they're there because they want you to sell to them in like a service way. So I think that that's such a good shift. Thank you. And speaking of cars, when I was trying to find my next car, of course, I encountered a lot of pushy salespeople persons. But I went to a Honda dealer and the gentleman that was helping me, he listened. We sat in a car and talked. He actually said, I think a Subaru might be right for you. So I so wished I could have bought a car from him, but his, the Hondas weren't right for me. But I felt like he cared about me. And that's the heart of it is The reason I want people to have printed, finished art on their walls, albums, gifts, is because I feel like it's one of the most important things people can have. And I have all this experience and expertise to make sure it's done beautifully. So I could make the same or maybe even more income doing in person or doing Uh, shoot and share potentially but I don't think it's the service that is for me it isn't completing my job my job is not it's like I say I'm a chef I go to the store I buy food I get a recipe I leave it at your house I didn't cook you a meal I didn't show my skill and expertise as a chef yeah and we're chefs in our particular business, potentially. 
you know, artists, all creatives, we're creating something someone else is not going to be able to do the same way we do. And clients love, everyone's lonely. Like what we're selling is not just the product. We're selling our time. We're selling our smiles, our friendship, our connection, the experience. So I want when people look on the walls in their home or they open a wedding album to also have this lovely memory of time with us and a sense of, of pride. And because if you're just taking it to Walmart and printing yourself, there's no experience behind that. I mean, sure. Yeah. I guess there's the Walmart experience, but um, yeah. Yeah. And another thing, one reason I don't sell files is my core is that I'm producing high quality images and I have fears that someone would take an image to a random store, get it printed. Their friends would see it. that might've known me. It's printed badly, cropped wrong, color balanced wrong. And they go, Oh, Oh, I thought, I thought she was good. Yeah. And part of, I have a story on why, when it was early in the digital shift for my business, why I decided that is my family member. I have a family member that we would see each other on Thanksgiving and I would always do a family portrait. I would send him some quick proofs. They'd tell me what they want and I would make cards and prints and things for them. Well, oh, I've got a digital file. I sent that to them. The pictures that came back on their cards, skin was blue. (laughs) And years later, I learned in a conversation with the niece-in-law that from that session, she thought I was no longer a good photographer. Oh, And she has a house full of beautiful wall portraits and an album. But she did not have the knowledge to realize that taking it to wherever she did wasn't going to represent my work because she had no idea what went into the finished print. So it all comes back to me deeply caring about the client's experience, about what I'm putting out in the world. And then I also care about money in my pocket. So it's the triple (laughs) trifecta. I love, I love that from the quality control perspective too, of like, I, I'm the only one that's in this situation that's going to know how to make these photos look best to the end, the end of things, instead of kind of cutting our experience short at just the digital delivery. I was wondering, do you have kind of, what are some key elements of successfully offering IPS? I imagine there's a whole lot of communication that goes into being able to successfully deliver this. Um, I know a lot of photographers are scared of just doesn't everyone expect digital photos now and everyone just wants to print them? Like, what are some ways you manage expectations or what are some of those key elements of helping IPS be really successful for you? Sure. Okay. So there's basically when I uh, have done a group program or um, I do have it as an online course, there's six basic parts of the journey. So the first is the phone call. And so on the phone call, we establish the relationship. We get to know and like them. We connect on an emotional level. And then we pre-qualify just a little bit about 
the minimum initial investment. And before you so keep going, in that com- sorry, before you keep going, do you have like an example of a way to do that in a chill way? Like the little pre-qualification, like, do you have a thing that you say every time? How do yes. you do that? Yeah. So, okay. So first we have a little break the ice and then I ask them about their family and some emotional questions. Like if it's a couple, when did you meet? When did you know you want to spend the rest of your life? 50 years from now on your 50th anniversary, you know, what do you want to f- feel as you're looking through your wedding photographs? Yeah. And and so we're listening to them. And then I share how I work. Everything's very personalized. Um, so I'm going to find out more about you, how you decorate. If it's a wedding, you know, what, what you're planning so that I can tailor it to your preferences. And then this I got from Charles Lewis decades ago. So most people invest a minimum of X to X. That might include something nice for your home and a few smaller ones uh, to share with family or take to the office. Does that fit within your budget? Love it. Or if it's a wedding, I might say, you know, wedding, wedding start at X. We would get together, talk about your day and then I can guide you into what investments might really fit you just perfectly. Love it. It's so clear. Yeah. And, and, if they say, yeah. and if if they say, what does that include? Do I get digitals? Then I will say I'm a full service photographer. So I'm going to help you from the very beginning to plan this and all the way to the selection process and printing it at the best labs in the country that I've discovered that only work with professionals. And if this is sounding pretty good, our next step is an in-person consultation. We'll get together. I'll show you more of my work. We'll talk about prices specifically. Um, I'll get to know more about your love story. And then if you want to book me, we'll, we'll get the contract. We'll go, we'll take it from there. How does this all sound? So that little structured conversation which is what really helps people, especially people that are more introverted, to not be so afraid to pick up the phone because you've got a structure. First, I'm going to say, hey, how are you doing? What do you think of this weather? And then I'm going to get to know them some. Then I'm going to explain a little how I work, pop a little money question, um, tell them the next steps without getting tangled up on the phone about the digitals. And then the consultation is its next, you know, planting seeds showing them art, uh, totally. getting acquainted, getting them to trust, know, like, and trust me and want what I offer. And then the session is the next event where I photograph for the sale and I plant those little seeds again dirt while I'm working. And then what's the next? Then there's the sales. And I have a very specific system where we narrow down, then we separate into categories, potentially, then we have another slideshow, and then and I help them uh, select their art, and then I get money from them, and then I get to work. There's also a hot topic, which is handling objections, and that's a whole huge uh, lifetime exploration of yeah. smart answers to common questions. So, yeah. But just without, you know, just to kind of go back to one of your first questions. When they ask about digitals, if I feel like I need to answer that directly, the first thing I do, and I do this with almost all objections, is to say, 
why would you want the digitals? So, Kristen, let's play. Love so you've it. asked me, okay. you've asked me about digital. So, Kristen, um, why are you wanting digital? Why do you think you're wanting digitals? Oh, my last photographer gave them to me, or I don't know, maybe if I if I want to print them in the future or post them on Facebook. So, what's the core reason that you would want it? Is it printing? Is it saving money? Is it one sharing it? It's probably more family, sharing, like archi- yeah, sharing and archiving. Like in the future, if I want to be able to see all of them, or yeah, posting on social media. Yeah. Okay. So anything that you order, I'm happy to post on my Facebook and tag you. So that takes care of uh, friends and family seeing that. For archive purposes, I do have some options where you can add the archived images of anything that you purchase. And it just depends on what else you order. You know, there's it's a sliding scale. So okay. digital is not my product, but I certainly understand, you know, wanting people to enjoy and wanting to be able to, you know, most people are not going to be able to find those files five years from now that I deliver. But on the yeah. rare case that you're someone that does, you know, I can give you an option for that. Yeah. So Kristen, m- many people will say to save money right? Mm -hmm. So if I were to sell you digitals Mm -hmm. as the primary product, it is in no way the most economical way to work with me. Yeah. So that one, people, that just pre-qualifies people. Well, we're on a tight budget and we just want that. Um, Mm -hmm. Now on the telephone, I would not go into a deep conversation about the disadvantages and how many people never do anything with their digital files. You know, I want to be sitting with them and let's say it's a wedding. I want them to be looking through wedding albums. I want them to be seeing art on the walls so they understand a little bit about that. Yeah. I love albums. Albums are my favorite. I said I don't do IPS, but I do with albums because I love, I'm like, everyone should have a whole, a whole section of albums. Um, I do have, okay, if we're playing, if we're playing still, my, this is my own personal IPS objection. Okay. Okay. I have everything on the wall, all these beautiful photos. And then my, you know, my kid is growing up so quickly. Like, how does it work if I need to switch out photos or I'm out of wall space? Like, what happens then if I want to switch out photos or update something? Um, Like, do you help with that, too? Absolutely. That's not the question I thought you were going to ask me. (laughs) Now, one of my and if I were full out uh, doing portraits still, I would adopt. I can't remember who does this, but um, they say anyway, he'll pop in my head. He says, anytime you come back, if you would like to return a portrait and have an update, I will do that session absolutely free or I will swap it or somehow he does. He does a swap program. Cool. Cool. Uh, Of course, nobody ever does. Right. They just come in for that free updated session and then they order more. Right. That makes sense. One of my answers when people say, oh, I'm going to have more kids and they're going to grow is, first of all, even if you just enjoyed these now and then threw them away, you're going to get so much joy from having these. But honestly, 
with a little rearranging, what most of my clients do is maybe they'll put these in a hallway together. Um, I have a client that she would order, she had like two sessions a year and she would order five to 10 wall portraits every time. And she had a section in her garage where she bubble wrapped, she replaced things in their bedroom. They had like a like a tic-tac-toe board that had nine images and those would rotate. And with her children, their bedrooms had probably six wall portraits across the, just above the ceiling showing the progress. So, you know, it's, it's like, Oh, I'm not going to eat this full meal because I'm going to be hungry again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let's enjoy this now and we'll figure out later what to do in the future. Totally. Another answer that I have is this is not the kind of session you are going to do two or three times a year. Uh, with kids, we want to do a newborn, a baby, a toddler, an elementary or a preschool, elementary school, junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. So when you do those and you do it well and you have art on the walls, you're always going to remember each of those chapters in the life of your child. Yeah, that's beautiful. Kristen. Totally, totally. And actually my perspective on that has changed since I had a kid. Cause at first I was like, I don't want pictures of myself on the wall. And then seeing all his delightful stages of growing up, I'm like, I want a photo from every one of those stages on my walls. Like every time I see my framed photos, I'm so happy. Um, so I I do feel like my perspective has shifted a lot since having um, a kid too. Because I'm like, no, I yeah, I want to remember this went so fast. Yes, and, and this I'm glad you mentioned this because really the heart of why for me why I photograph why I sell art is because it it contributes so much to the self esteem of children. to the love in the family when kids come home and here is a beautiful picture of them with their mom when they were little they feel loved they feel valued my uh great niece was here with her with my great great nephew and there are pictures of her all over my house and uh there was a point where she's like i'm your favorite right and i was like maybe yeah and she said well i know this because Look at the pictures. There's me. There's me. There's me. Wall portraits, small portraits. I had a client that they were a blended family. And both the experience of photographing this family with the son who didn't get to live in the home full time. And then the portraits on the wall where I purposely put him in the center Mm-hmm. With people leaning towards oh, him, so the mother said it absolutely changed everything in his life because of photographs. So, and my mom just passed away. And so, of course, I went through thousands of printed photographs and the ones I've taken that I have mostly in digital, I had a hard time finding those. I could find the printed ones. And I got to experience her whole life in this journey, the the life before I was born, when she was a little girl, when she was a newlywed, all the way to, you know, her last days in the body, that it was time for her to let that go. And so the reason I'm so all in 
is because of how valuable I believe finished portraits and albums are in people's lives. Yeah. Even the weddings from my two divorces, I still treasure the books. Yeah. Because A, I looked great. (laughs) B, (laughs) there's family members in there that are, some of them are gone. All of them are older. And, um, you know, I looked through those to find pictures of my mom. So what we do is valuable. And helping people, it's like, to me, (laughs) I said this once to a client who was the hardest time switching from shoot and share because she, she just felt scared that people were not going to book her. And I said, you know, you've got like, first of all, your backyard has nuggets of gold everywhere. You're not picking it up. But you also have something for your clients. I'm trying to think how to say this right. You have a treasure to give your clients and you're not giving it to them. Yeah. So, yeah. And so there's another little, I want to talk about a how-to, but I'll I'll take a breath here a second, see if you have other questions. I want to tell you about the program that has saved me so much time over the years as an entrepreneur, and that is 17 Hats. 17 Hats is made specifically for solo creative business owners, just like you and me, and it lets me automate a lot of my contracts, my invoices, my emails, my workflows, so I just get so much time back during the day. I don't know how I ran a business for so long without it. If freedom and delivering a excellent client experience is important to you, I highly recommend jumping in and checking out 17 Hats. You can sign up for free at 17hats.com, but also if you use our code DANGEROUS, you get 50% off your first year when you sign up for a plan. So check it out at 17hats.com and get back to doing the things that you love in your business. I do have one question because I'm hearing in my head probably my past objections, but also some objections from photographers of, but it takes so much time to walk through all that process and get on the phone and do all the things. So I wonder what um, either, either what can people look forward to as far as making it worth it for all the time they're investing And maybe is there like a mindset shift that you've made that helps you kind of take that time and walk through that with those clients without feeling um, like if they don't book, I just wasted so much time, you know, like what's something that's helped you with that, that shift? It's a great question. So first off, most people who are doing IPS effectively are having sales in the 2000 on up. My average sales have been 3,500 to 10,000. So if you think about how many, let's say it's 3,000 and your average is 300 for a shoot and share portrait. So you have to do 10 or one. And the one you get to make a friend, you get to in your space or you go to their space and enjoy time together. You get to see your work printed beautifully 
my favorite thing is sitting. So in my how to, I use a, a nice projector and I have a movie screen. If I go to their home, even I've flown on airplanes with my projector and then used, then gone to um, like an art store and purchased some big foam boards to project the images large. So my favorite thing is sitting down with the clients, having that slideshow, hearing their responses, seeing them myself large, put to music, and then helping narrow down and giving them my art perspective and having them hug me and cry and laugh. So I'd rather have one client where I get all of that and they get all of that from me than 10. And I'd rather book one out of three and spend a little time with the phone calls and the consultations to get that one gem of a client. I love that. I feel the same way about my wedding photography business is that intentional time, that relationship and like working lifelong with a client of like, hopefully they're coming back year after year after year too, especially because you've created such a dynamic relationship and such beautiful customer services. You have to do, eventually you have to do less selling because you have people that are already bought in and already so excited about what you're offering. Mm -hmm. When I did weddings, I got so many referrals and it wasn't because I was a good bargain. It was because we had that rich relationship. I loved them. They loved me. They told their friends. Um, I also was really good at meeting all their friends and bridesmaids and networking in the industry. But um, many of them turned into portrait clients because they're going to have babies. They're going to have extended family sessions. Those kids are going to grow. Those kids are going to become high school seniors. Those kids are going to get married. So that's another, I've never mentioned this before or thought about it quite so clearly, but one of the main reasons or the main reason side benefit, when you build that relationship, you're marketing for your future. You're not just having to scoop up a lot of everything. Oh my gosh. We're so on the same page about that. I'm like, it gets easier after a few years if you really put in the work at the beginning because you have all the momentum of your clients referring you. So it's it feels hard at the beginning, but all of it, it does pay off, especially if you just go above and beyond. Right. And then stay in touch with them and have reasons and help them come back in. And like whenever I was like, oh, shoot, I need work. I'd get my client list and I'd just make calls and say hello. And so many would be like, I was just thinking about you and wanting to book a session. So that that follow-up um, is yeah. huge. Yeah. So, so um, do you want me to tell you a little more about how yeah. I do the sales? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that makes the huge difference is showing work with a projector. So Back in the olden days when dinosaurs roamed the earth, (laughs) the labs found a way to make slide proofs with those old-fashioned carousels that you put them in and clicks and it turns. And so when that became available, people over and over again, when they switched from proofs to showing them projected large on a screen or a white wall or a framed canvas, reported that their their sales went up double and more without doing 
anything else different without having a good system in place. Just seeing them and the emotional impact is so strong. So I have a system where we might spend two or three hours together selecting, but then we're done. Mm -hmm. And number one, I'm controlling the experience. If we, what I call post and pray, (laughs) that they'll order some, let's say it's a wedding and you're posting and hoping they'll order more. You don't know where they're seeing these the first time. They could be in the grocery store. They could have just had a fight with their mother. They, you know, could could be an old junky computer. Um, it's definitely not going to be the experience that I provide where they come over and it's like, it's a special event. Yeah, so that environment is helpful. And then we we do a slideshow and then we sort down to um, the ones that are worth considering. Then we separate them into categories. That's one of my secret sauces is we put them in wall, smaller album potential. And then I have a slideshow of the walls. We went through it twice. I invite them to notice which ones give them the strongest emotional reaction. And so it's like a step-by-step, but I'm letting those images sell themselves to them big as if it's printed. Yeah. And something that I mentioned to you before we started recording is when I was doing weddings and I switched to doing slideshows for my portraits, I added an option of engagement sessions where it's included, but they have to pay a minimum purchase because I was doing engagement sessions and getting no extra dollars. They might put two in their album. So I did those with slides and people would consistently buy at least one wall portrait to put on display at the wedding and a small album to take to their showers or have something to enjoy before we get it into the whole wedding album production. Now I hope people do the same thing with the wedding photos where they come in the way they're going to see them. And this is what we, we know at the start is this in person. And then we narrow down and pick you know, pick the album and how big they want it. And if there's any art and any gifts, and then they go on their merry way. I could just kick myself for not doing that back in the day when I did weddings. Cause what I did then is I created a sample storybook and put it on a, like a map. And then they went home and decided what they want and came back. And um, like, you know, 20, some years too late, <laughs> but yeah. now the occasional wedding that's come up, that's how I do it. And we just plan four hours. If there are people that want to be a part of that, they're welcome to come. Um, but it is, it simplifies things to just help them choose. And um, yeah. Any questions about that? I love that. Yeah, I do. I, I was going to ask, are there, certain people that you ask to be there, or even I imagine that um, the ordering has to be done within that container, right? There's no, oh, we'll go home and think about it and come back. Like, what are some of the kind of guidelines you put around that experience that helps it, helps them and helps you? Okay. Good question. Anybody that's going to be a part of the yes or no's that has veto power money-wise needs to be there. 
So in the case of families, if there's a spouse that if you go home and say, honey, I just invested $8,000 in portraits. I'm so excited or $10,000 for a wedding album. And that person hasn't been in on the experience, hasn't seen them, hasn't contributed their opinions, then they can so easily say, oh, no, that's out of our budget. We have to start over. So they have to be there. There, There is a rare occasion where a mom will say, no, this is my decision. You do not want my husband there. He's not going to know what it is. It's just yeah. between you and I. So I trust that. Or I'm probably going to order more than he wants me to. So I'm going to be a little creative about the investment. And I might come by and bring you $800 cash regularly out of my grocery money or something. (laughs) Because I'm going to have what I want. But most people, they come as a team. Um, I do avoid having people who are not the buyers. I try not to have the sister or the best friend there. Yeah. Now, sometimes having the mother there, if she's all into it and she might end up helping them buy more, then that can work. But definitely somebody that's not like so excited about, about photographic art because it's really not their business how much you're spending. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it could probably make the person kind of shut down of like, oh, I don't want my friend to see me spend this much money or whatever. Right, right, exactly. I did have another question too. I think especially with weddings, I guess this this applies to portraits too. Do you find that it helps to show the client less images versus more? I feel like one of the biggest things we run into is overwhelm, but you know, kind of how do you manage the overwhelm? Is it just by taking the reins or is it by limiting the amount of photos or what's kind of your philosophy on that? So I'll give you the answer for weddings and the answer for portraits. So with portraits, I edit down to all the best, of course, and an extra 30%. That it, So if I have like three good photos of like, here's me here, here's me here, here's me here. They're kind of similar. I'll leave two or three in. Why do you think that is, Kristen? Just in case the person likes the way they look in one versus the other? No. Oh, to help them with the uh, ooh, the three thing, help them like decide because they like having three options. It's like school. Close. Okay, <laughs> here's here's glasses. You want it or don't you? Okay, here's a red glasses, blue glasses, green glasses. Which do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if they have choices, the chance that the best ones are going to survive so we can put them in albums so we can have eight wall portraits for sales is more likely. If I narrow down to, let's say, the best 35 instead of 65, they're going to pick 15. But if I show them 65 to 75, they're going to narrow down to 40. Mm -hmm. And that can make a nice album. And I definitely can come up with five to seven or eight uh, images that would be wall worthy. So there's so much psychology in this. I love it. It's so much. Definitely. Um, so the overwhelm, because I have a system, oops, and I tell them my system, you know, we're going to first, we're going to enjoy them. Then we're going to do yes, no, maybe. Then we're going to compare similars. Then we're going to 
categorize them, and then you'll start making your choices. That puts them at ease. And if they get a little overwhelmed, I just say, just relax, trust this process. Just tell me yes, no, and maybe that's all I need from you when I show you an image. Yes, no, and maybe. So I love that. It really does. Sorry. I was going to say, I, I love that. It really does just like take that guiding force back and be like, I got you. You don't have to make all these decisions. We have a process. I love that. Yeah. And again, it's us. I, I think about it as I'm I'm the captain of this ship. And when they're like, oh, can I go think about it? Or uh, let's just pick out one and I'll get more later. They're trying to drive, and I'm like, uh, this is my ship. I know where we're going. Just enjoy the ride. But Lucy, so, yeah. but Lucy, what if they think I'm bossy? What if they think I'm salesy? How does this help them to be in the one in charge? <laughs> does the way that I've described this sound salesy to you? No, not does at all. Does it sound like I'm giving good service? Great service. Yeah, and also, <laughs> I like to... I like to challenge people. Okay, so Kristen, what if they think you're bossy? Yeah. Okay. What if they do? What will happen? Nothing. They'll probably respect me more. <laughs> or they won't. And then, okay, someone else is going to appreciate that you are the authority. When I did weddings, I would frequently get, because I can be bossy, <laughs> but I like to say I'm assertive and cancel that <laughs> I'm assertive I'm not bossy yeah um and I've had so many people say I love that like yeah you're like strong you're telling us what to do but it makes everything go so smoothly and you know if I think about oh I was kind of bossy at that time well I can refine it you know it's not like we only have one opportunity to get, get it right we can learn ways um, and everybody's personality is so different that some people have issues with authority. And so if you're coming across as the authority, they might push back. Some people are just like, oh, thank God somebody's driving this. Yeah, so totally. It's nothing to do with us. One of my favorite um, books is called The Four Agreements. Love it. And one of the agreements is don't take anything personally and don't make assumptions. So if someone thinks I'm bossy, that is their choice to think what they want. Exactly. It's but just I, good, li good life advice, but great business advice because we only we only dig ourselves into holes when we try to suppress who we are instead of just mm -hmm. being who we are and letting the right people find us. Right, right. And, you know, we can learn, like, in, in my whole life, people in authority have often said, Lucy, sometimes you need to think before you speak. <laughs> and, and so I heard that enough that I have worked on over the course of my life doing that. And I notice sometimes I wish I had done that when I'm feeling under stress or have my feelings hurt a little bit I'll, or frustrated. Sometimes I'll blurt something out and wish I hadn't. But yeah. I love being an entrepreneur, being a creative. Uh, what's the title of this show? Dangerous Creatives. Being a dangerous creative means <laughs> that we get to grow. 
And we get mm-hmm. to become the best version of ourselves. So tackling something that seems scary rather than like, oh, this is scary, so I'm not going to do it, doesn't grow us. It shrinks us. Exactly. So exactly. go for it is what I say. <laughs> Honestly, I'm inspired. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do some IPS, I think. So I'm yes. I've loved, I've loved this conversation. And I, you know, I think that our audience has learned so much too. If you've been listening and you're inspired to go do some IPS, definitely message me and Lucy about it. She is such a pro when it comes to these things and is just a gem of a person. Lucy, I have a few last questions for you. Oh, you have one more thing. Go ahead. Okay. Um, So can I make an offer for uh, some listeners? Yes, of course. Okay. If you would like a conversation with me to take a deep dive into your goals and dreams and what might be holding you back, slowing you down, standing in your way, I'm offering eight sessions to the listeners of this podcast. So you can either go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, or you can email me at lucy at lucydumas.com, again with an I, and just say, yep, I want a free session. And we'll have a quick conversation, see if it's a good fit for you, see if it's comfortable. It's not a salesy thing, I promise. Um, So I'd love to offer that as a thanks for people listening to your show and listening to this conversation. That's so generous. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I had a couple last questions. One, um, do you have, do you remember, do you remember like what's your biggest sale you've ever had from IPS? $35,000. Woo. Amazing. Love it. Okay. Now, but a little quick. Oh, yeah. The first big one that I had was $20,000. And I spent two weeks because it was a client that I knew would invest whatever I said, but I couldn't speak the words (laughs) $20,000. So I practiced for weeks. Hi, Suzanne. So I've totaled up that order and it's 20. Hey, Suzanne. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I told that up. It's 20,000. Do you want to do half and half or do you want to do it all now? And when I finally did, she's like, okay, cool. Is half okay? Sure. And then she says, I'm so excited. Oh, and I was so tempted to discount, but she never asked for discounts before. And she said, I'm so excited. I'm flying to New York and some famous designer like Diane von Furstenberg is designing a gown for I get to go to, I don't know, the Grammys or something. Then I'm going to buy a piece of art from Picasso's daughter, Paloma. Oh, my gosh. How much would I have kicked myself if I had taken 20% off? Yeah. You're like, but I'll give you a discount. You're like, no. We so, so often jump to giving things before they're asked for too. Of like, oh, but like, don't worry about it. I love that you practiced saying it because I think that that's so powerful just to normalize certain numbers as we're speaking. Right. Them. Yeah. And so I'm suggesting to the listeners, what is that point that feels unachievable? And then visualize receiving it. Have someone write you a check for that amount. Visualize like it's raining dollars. And when you count it out, it's a thousand or it's 2000 or it's 10,000. You have to be a receptacle. And I remember going from 200 to 500 to 1000 to 15 to two 
you know, I remember each of those being a hurdle that I needed to jump over. And then it's like, yeah. So. Yeah. You normalize certain numbers. It reminds me of this story. It was one of the bigger wedding packages I had sold. And I had the um, father of the bride who was really intimidating was like wanted to chat before he signed the contract or gave me his credit card or whatever. And on the phone, he goes, now, who do you think you are charging as much as a car for your photography? And I said, well, sir, I am really good at what I do. And he was like, here's my credit card number. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, man, me like five years ago would not have been able to say that back to him. I was like, I know what this man wants. He just wants me to be confident in my price. Mm -hmm. But it was a really funny moment. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, a couple more questions. Um, What is a skill that you think every photographer or creative really needs uh, to be really profitable? A skill? Well, they need to have sales systems. They need... Get good at sales. Get good at sales. I'm right. right And it's really more important than being a great photographer. Yeah. Get great at sales. And it helps you in like basically everything in life from dating to everything. Everything. (laughs) Okay. And then last question. Uh, Any mistakes? And maybe not last question. I have two more. Any mistakes that you've made that you want to warn others about or perspective on that mistake now that you're kind of far from it? Well, I already told you the one, which is not doing in-person sales with the weddings. Yeah. Um, a, A little one I was talking to a coaching client today about this. If you're not a good fit for somebody, don't tell them we're not a good fit. Because what it means is some, most people will hear that as you're not enough. You're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. And I made the mistake of, so there was a woman that interviewed me for a a wedding date and she knew someone was coming in right after she left for the same date. And I booked the second one and I was glad because the first one I was exhausted and I was hoping I didn't have to do her wedding. So when she called back, I'm so excited. I want you to do my wedding. And I said, I've already booked, you know, told you about that. The mistake I made was I said, but, you know, I don't think we really were the best fit. Mm, Yeah. She took offense to that. And Mm -hmm. she went to every vendor at the Bridal Bazaar and trashed me. The person that had referred me, which used to send me, uh, like I probably did 15 weddings a year from their referrals stopped referring me without checking with me about that. And later I realized, Oh, I didn't have to say we weren't a good fit. I just had to say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm already booked for that date. Yeah. The other mistake is not to understand, well, like being too personally involved in whether people hire us or what they buy We need to separate our art from our own self-worth. It's a product. And to know that there are some people who will love what you do, but they will pretend they don't to try to get a discount or get more from you. It Mm -hmm. is a strategy. And I had one client that it just broke my heart, took it so personally until at the time I was in therapy and she told me, you know, I think because when you showed them the work, they loved it. 
But now they're saying they don't. I think they're trying to get more from you. And we practiced saying this. So write this down, everybody. Pause it, get a pen or your laptop. These are the prices when you booked me or the prices and policies. These are still the prices and policies. Love it. Okay. Well, another question? I have one more. Okay. What is the most important? Maybe I know we've been talking about mindset a little bit. What's something that you think is a hugely valuable mindset shift that you've experienced yourself that you think could help um, people who are growing their creative business right now? Mindset shift. Always looking at the positive and letting every experience grow me. My uh, favorite movie as a girl was Pollyanna. Did, did you ever see that movie? Oh, yeah. I loved it. And, and when things that are supposedly bad happen to people, she helps them play the glad game where they look at the positive. And so not getting and oh, I spent so much time agonizing over some client situations that I needed to just let it be and move on mm-hmm. and be grateful that they weren't going to be in my life forever. Yeah. And um, and sometimes I would do something that I regretted. And so um, the mindset is to always be learning and growing, not taking it personally and and just like learning from every experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. I know I've learned so much today and I know our listeners have too. So thank you so much for your time. And we'll put all of Lucy's information in the show notes. If you want to take her up on one of those eight free coaching calls or check out the other things that she's doing. Um, Lucy, could you tell us where to find you online or where you're kind of hanging out if people want to connect with you or a little bit about your podcast? Podcast is called The Profitable Photographer and you can find me on YouTube, all the podcast channels. I do have Instagram posts. I'd love for you to follow me on that. Love for you to follow me on on um, the YouTubes because I'm trying to get to a uh, hundred. I just started posting there. So when I get a hundred people on the list, then I can uh, customize my URL. So oh, that would be awesome. Um, Lucy Dumas Coaching is my website with all kinds of stuff. So that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. And thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. All right.